Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. So I am honored to be part of our adventure in faith. We've had a beautiful, amazing committee. Reverend Josh has led them very beautifully and they have all contributed so powerfully to this year's adventure in faith. And uh, Josh has been speaking and letting us know that our theme this year is leading with light, leading with your inner constellation of truth. And there's some wonderful resources online at our webpage at milehighchurch.org. What you'll find there if you go there, whether you're in a small group or not, the workbook for the small group, totally available. You can print it and download it. Uh, All sorts of ways to sign up for daily inspirational messages. And there's also a worksheet that you can work through each day if you like. And I worked through the worksheet as a research and a way to prepare for this talk. And so... um, um, the talk, I use the, here's the, here are the questions in the worksheet. So the first uh, worksheet is um, the quality of life I choose to lead with today. And I, of course, chose oneness because my title today is Oneness as Uniqueness. And so I felt very much in resonance. I've been knowing this was my message for a while and I've been thinking and planning and researching and contemplating oneness for quite a while. So that's my leading, my leading quality. And the second question is the quality of light I choose to respond with. And I felt reflection come up. And it has a double meaning. I believe that the light of the universe is shining through each one of us and we reflect it in who we are and that every being has access to that light and they reflect it back. And every time I think about this message, I kept seeing each one of us like a disco ball. And I didn't have a disco ball costume, so I did my best to bling up today as a representation of that light that we are that shines forth from us, because I do like my bling, but I also can feel that it it represents that beautiful reflective energy that we're going to talk about. And the third question is about the light of reflection. And I like how this one talks about viewing our life from afar off and looking at the quality we would most like to express. And every time I've done this with the worksheet, I've come back to love. I would like to see my life be a reflection always of love. And the same with the next question, the last question. Uh, the light, what light of aspiration or what northern star uh, quality would you like to continue to grow or express into? And again, my answer was love. So that's how we can use the worksheet. I've been using it. It's a wonderful tool for getting in alignment with this theme. But because my title is Oneness as Uniqueness, I'm breaking it down. Firstly, I want to talk about oneness. As a minister, as a spiritual leader, there are lots of things that I feel like if I could prove them to humanity... I could change the course of my living and everyone's living. Uh, the quality of life for us would go up. And one of the things that I, I seek to prove to myself and others in this holy, sacred work that I do is to the proof of oneness. Imagine a world where we all absolutely lived from our oneness with each other. 
It's a worthy contemplation in and of itself. And today, I've been thinking, well, how could I convince everyone here that we are all one and we can and are already living in oneness and if we could feel it and live from it and express it, how it would impact our lives. Now, it's interesting to note that spiritual teachers throughout the ages, indeed, spiritual teachers from all of the faith traditions on our planet, especially the major ones, I think live in a place where they're either mystical practitioners of such traditions, mystical Christians, mystical Jews, mystical Muslims, mystical Buddhists, mystical science of minders, or they're fundamentalist. The letter of the law, the rules, what, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong? Yeah, even in this teaching, I'm happy to see none of them here today, thank goodness, but. <laughs> the mystical realm, though, is the realm, I think, because spiritual seekers, no matter what tradition, find themselves in an inexplicable place of connectedness to the divine, where they can, we can recognize that we can only use our words to point to it but that each person has to find their own centeredness in their mystical oneness. And that a huge purpose of faith tradition is to call people back in every way possible to this truth. And that the traditions that are the most alive, that are the most fulfilling to humanity are ones that do this, even when they confront our perpetual argument for separation, sometimes because we haven't experienced oneness or sometimes because we want oneness, we just don't want to be one with them over there. But the acceptance of oneness is a full acceptance of connectedness to all things, to all beings, to all life. So religion, spirituality, has made an attempt to call people back to it and to some degree has been successful, but still many of us exist in a, a perpetual state of feeling disconnected, separate, alone from our God, from the universe, from each other, when oneness is, I believe, what we live, move, and have our being in. Comedian uh, Dave Barry says it very cutely. He says, the one thing that unites all human beings regardless of age, gender, religion, economic status, or ethnic background is that deep down we all believe that we are above average drivers. <laughs> that might be it too. Not sure that proves it. So we go from the realm of spirituality to science. It's interesting to note that Ernest Holmes, the founder of this tradition, was alive in the heyday of the work of Albert Einstein. And there was much talk going on about Einstein's theories of relativity and how Einstein was proving that at the molecular level, everything and everyone is made of, of the same energy which specifies itself in the form of that thing or that person or that expression. And there are some urban legends, some urban myths that indicate that Holmes and uh, Einstein actually were at a party and talked together. I cannot prove that, but I like it a lot. <laughs> Holmes mentions 
uh, Einstein in his writings and mentions Einstein's and his theories. And it appears to me, and I, as I watch the evolution of Holmes' writing, that Einstein's theories cemented Holmes' experience, mystical experience, and intellectual belief in the oneness that connects all of life. And yet, reading his words has impacted me, but I don't know that every person who reads Holmes' words feel that sense of oneness, but science continues to reveal to us the connectedness of all life. Indeed, this very month, the Nobel Peace Prize was given in physics to these three gentlemen, Alan Aspect, John Clauser, and Anton Zellinger. Um, they won it in, the achie in achievements for landmark achievements in quantum mechanics, the study and of the behavior of particles and atoms. It's long been theorized and and some experiments have shown that the connection of particles at a vast distance. But these three gentlemen proved recently, absolutely, that uh, entanglement, it's called entanglement, a mind-boggling phenomenon when two particles behave as one even though they're at a vast distance to one another. Albert Einstein once described the phenomenon as spooky. <laughs> But the three physicists show that quantum entanglement is real and their discovery is going to support us in allowing, they say, the transfer of information across huge distances to be more profound for us. It's opening up all sorts of things. So science itself is beginning to accept and literally prove the connectedness of all life. Still, we tend to move and act and behave at times and most of the time as though we're separate. I think because we're attuned to it, even though many of us have probably had those mystical experiences of one. I know I have. I've had a few experiences in my life that I can close my eyes and think back on and I can even feel that feeling of being merged into the one, that feeling of, I, I know who I am, but I feel so connected. I can't feel the, the, the boundaries of my body anymore or my beingness anymore. I am immersed in the oneness of life itself and then find myself back in the awareness of my beingness. I think we're more attuned to separation than we are our oneness. So I started to think if I were going to prove today or attempt to prove our oneness, our, could I make a list? And at first it started out to be kind of silly and funny, almost like one of those Jeff Foxworthy lists, like you know you're a redneck if kind of things. He wrote the book and does comedy routines. One of my favorites is you know you're a redneck if you spend 40 hours a week at Walmart and you don't even work there, that kind of thing. <laughs> He's got a whole bunch of them that are funny. And I started thinking, well, you know you're experiencing oneness if, and then I, and my, my list got very serious very quickly. So here it is. Here's my list that today I want to say, if you've ever experienced any of this, whether it be a mystical experience of oneness or that sense of oneness, here are some other things that happen to us often on a daily basis that I think reveal to us the oneness we live, move, and have our being in. You know you've experienced oneness if you ever knew someone was going to call right before they called. Yeah, some of you have done that, I can tell, right? You think of somebody and the phone rings. You know you're experiencing oneness if you're driving in your car and you start to turn or change lanes, but you sense before you even see them the person who's there. 
You know that you might be experiencing oneness if you can encounter someone and have an immediate sense of what they're feeling. And I know many of you felt this. You come to church, you sit down next to someone you don't even know, and you can feel some of what they're feeling. That's oneness, that's connectedness. You know you're experiencing oneness if you watch some art expression of painting or dancing or acting or music performance and there's a connectedness that is so compelling that it compels you to have goosebumps or be filled with tears of joy. You're not performing it but you're so connected to the one that is, you're sensing. And it cannot be in the now moment. It could be something that happened years ago. This week, our music director, Tom Litch, sent a video via text to Josh and me of Louis Armstrong singing his song about a beautiful world, and I played it, and I felt myself get full of chills and tears. I wasn't in his presence, but I'm watching a video, and I'm connected. So oneness is beyond time or space. You know that you're experiencing oneness. If you have loved in such a way that your connection to another human being is profound, you can not only feel them, sense them, you can just feel your connection. Sometimes with a, a child, a grandchild, a, a special child in our life that we love so much, a person who's a good friend that we can feel the connection we have with them no matter how far apart we are, a beloved whom we love and adore, this is oneness. But what it takes, doesn't it, in this world is for us to recognize these things, to own them, to claim them. My mother was telling me recently that she was inviting people she knew to have synchronicity journals. What I'd like to suggest to us today in the practice and the honoring and celebration of oneness is for us to have a oneness journal. To spend every day looking for signs of our connectedness and our oneness. It's who we are. It's our essence. It's what unites us with all of creation. And it is what, what we know to be true. And when we allow ourselves into it, we experience a greater sense of connectedness to all life, to all beings, we experience that connectedness to all possibilities because in that place of recognizing oneness, if some healing or some experience has happened anywhere, it's available everywhere. And I am in the everywhere that exists as oneness. Therefore, I am in resonance with the good that is expressing on this planet, whether it's happening over there or over here, it doesn't matter because there is no separation. And so I'm connected. I can access any information, anything that I want to access from an energetic standpoint to create in my life. Oneness creates belonging, a sense of belonging. For those of us who feel so often afraid when we have no one else around us, it's impossible for us to ever be alone because we are always connected to the everything that exists in all time and space at all times. 
We can't ever be disconnected from it. It's impossible. So that story we tell ourselves falls away if we've struggled with loneliness or a sense of disconnect. When we practice and live from and cultivate our oneness, we begin to feel this more often, more profoundly. And nature mirrors this for us. If we look closely at nature, why would nature ever say there can only be one flower? Nature loves the oneness, the connectedness, and the diversity. And that's the truth of us too. Oneness as uniqueness. We are one and diverse. So there isn't just one kind of human. There isn't just one kind of tree. There isn't just one kind of bird or one kind of insect or one kind of flower. There's a multiple number of expressions in these things, in this realm. And it's the same for us. We all have DNA, but each one of us has a unique code of DNA. It's almost as if that which created us created us such that we could feel connected always, yet we could be who we came to be. Both and. Not either or. Both and. But the challenge of this for us humans and for our human mind is sometimes we get trapped in thinking that to be one means that everybody has to be like me. That oneness is sameness. I talked about this a few months ago and Ernest Holmes says very clearly to us, the perception of unity sees through all differences to one universal sameness, yet unity does not mean uniformity. We do not all have to be alike think alike or act alike, but the world is learning we must all act in union. The infinite one manifests in infinite variations, each rooted in the one, but each divinely unique in its own right. Good, bad, high, low, across, above, and beneath are all one to the infinite mind. So the beautiful north star of this is to live and cultivate a life of oneness while honoring and accepting our uniqueness. It's a, a pretty basic challenge though for most human beings that I know that comes down to our worthiness issues is that most of us were raised in this Western world where our culture, the people around us, the authorities around us, the, the norms, socio norms, the economic norms say, we want you to grow up and it's more important that you do and be like we think you should do and be rather than doing and being like you think you should do and be. And most human beings I know spent a good majority of their time unlocking and healing from the past so that eventually there can come a day when they can stand in the full glory of their beingness and wear their shiny vest and shine to the light to the world and be their unique self and express themselves in a powerful, confident, loving way while at the same time, not ever faulting anyone else who chooses to do the same in their world. 
to celebrate and honor oneness and uniqueness, right? That's the opportunity before us. That's the work before us. It always has been and it always shall be. And I think where we struggle sometimes is that we fight so hard. We felt that urge as a child or maybe a teenager or even today, I just want to be normal. And I love the meme that says, normal is the setting on the washing machine. (laughs) It does not allow us to shine. If we can heal from that need to be normal and set it aside and make what's more important to me for myself and everyone else is that I feel that connectedness of my oneness and I just want to be me. I just want to express as my unique self. And to practice that in relationships, the things we talked about in the readings, the song Jennifer sang, being honest, finding a relationship where we commit ourselves to saying, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be all that I am. Now, I understand that sometimes in relationships and in settings, certain ways that I'm being me don't work for other people. And I can work in loving kindness with my partner and my kids and my friends to, to to heal our relationship so that it can be a full expression of our unique selves. But I've learned now that any relationship, any job, any friend, any condition that says I can only be there if I be the way they need me to be all the time, that's not the friend for me, it's not the job for me, it's not the relationship for me. And that's okay that I can step away from it and stand back so that I can have the courage to be connected to the allness that is and find the true north of my own uniqueness to express in the world. As singer-songwriter Karen Drucker puts it, she has a song about being your big, bright, brilliant beam of radiant light shining. I like that song. Try to say it three times fast. Go right ahead, I challenge you. We shine by speaking our truth. We shine by uh, allowing our light to share our gifts and talents and not hiding them under a bushel anymore. We shine by being ourselves and following our rhythm of life. We shine by understanding that when we choose to shine and be who we are, not everyone's gonna be thrilled about it. And that's okay. In our workbook for the Adventure in Faith work, Carl Rogers shared the concept that what is most personal is most universal. This statement speaks to that interesting relationship between oneness and uniqueness. The idea being, when you are your most unique, it can actually resonate in a way that inspires a sense of oneness and connection in someone else. Isn't that the most lovely feeling? To be my one self and my unique self and have people around me who love me as I am. Isn't that what we yearn for? We have to cultivate it. We have to claim it. We have to take the risks that allow us to shine that way. And one way we also have to cultivate it is we have to accept when other people want to do that too. 
I was driving the other day and I was looking in the rearview mirror and I looked behind me and there was a gentleman driving his car and he had metal in his face in places that I was like, how in the heck did he do that? And I found myself starting to get a little bit like judgy about it and then I suddenly went, it's his face, it's not my face. I'm not gonna put metal on my nose but if he wants to do that and that makes him happy, I'm good. And it was just a little example, but it's, it's that in big ways in our world, isn't it? We're afraid of other people being their unique selves. But when we cultivate it in ourselves, and we cultivate it in others and we cherish our oneness and we find ways to feel at one, even when we look at at people who we don't feel one with, we can say, I don't agree with them, I don't align with what they're doing or what they're talking about. But in our Beyond Limits class, there's this exercise we challenge the students and we just give it to them for a week, but it's a, it's a good daily practice to look out at those people Deeply, we are one. You're thinking of them right now, aren't you? <laughs> it's holy work. It's holy work. Ugh, deeply, we are one, yes. But it's the most sacred practice to cultivate that, to live like that, and to walk through our lives owning our own worth, accepting and expressing ourselves. Beloved Rhonda says, if you value yourself, you understand that you are a gift to anyone you meet. Hi, my name is Michelle, and I'm a great gift to you today. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of arrogance, but it's kind of, it's kind of there. It's the knowingness that when we come together, when we, when we look at each other, when we speak to each other, when we hug each other, there's a gift in every interaction that we share with one another. We are gifts to each other and we own that and we live from that. And so, as we look out into our world, our own world, the opportunity in front of us this week is the embrace of this concept, this both and, oneness as uniqueness, the dance of the two together. I tend to like the shows that depict the future, the possibilities of the future, like Star Trek, Star Wars. By the way, another urban legend is that uh, there's a belief and there's a picture of uh, George Lucas with the science of mind on his shelf that he got the idea of the force from us. But anyway, I digress. I love those shows that depict the possible future for us. And, and Ken and I were recently watching uh, The Orville, which is produced, directed, and written by Seth MacFarlane. And so at first I thought it was going to be some crass science fiction thing, but it's really quite meaningful. And now it's on Hulu, it's called New Horizons. And in their third season, the closing show, they are a, a group of people traveling the universe, exploring other people, cultures and planets and, and doing holy work and doing the kind of things you'd expect in Star Trek. And they kind of have the prime directive like they did in the original Star Trek. We don't interfere. But they have this incident where somehow a, a off-world girl from a planet that's not quite as evolved as theirs ends up on their ship. And the first officer is trying to educate her because she wants to stay with the Orville crew. And she's telling them about their worldview. 
And she tells them, the, the young lady, that what shifted their worldview forever was the, the invention of those machines where they could just walk up to it and say, triple shot latte. See, it's not working quite yet. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited when that happens. But they can do that and the latte appears. And when they finally got that they could replicate any food they needed, any items they needed, they could let go of capitalism and money and they could just express themselves because they no longer had to fight for stuff. They no longer had to worry for their future, for their well-being uh, at the most basic level. It started to be handled. And when that occurred, occurred from them, when they relaxed into that and their nervous system got used to it, they evolved into, well, what's next? How are we going to express ourselves now that everyone has everything they need? And so the first officer explains that the next form of currency became expressing yourself uniquely. She said, we went from thinking that people who had the most money were wealthy to people who express themselves in our society for the good of their own self, the expression of their own gifts, and for the good of the whole are the wealthiest of all. And it changed so much for them. And it touched me to imagine living in that world. And in a way, if I'm practicing oneness, all that I need is available to me. It's not quite the replicating machine they have, but it's the closest we've got. There's security. There's a sense of peace and well-being and comfort in living like that. And it allows me to be in full expression of who I am. And that's the challenge that we're posing this week in our adventure in faith. And it is an adventure in faith. It takes faith in the oneness that connects us all and it takes faith in the truth of who we are. I'll close with a quote from Ernest Holmes. You are an eternal being now on the path of endless unfoldment. Never less, but always more of yourself. Life is not static. It is forever dynamic, forever creating something done and finished, but something alive, awake and aware. There is something within you that sings the song of eternity. Listen to it. Listen to it. Let us pray. I invite our practitioner prayer partners to stand with me as we pray this prayer. We stand in this consciousness of oneness. And I invite us just to breathe and to remember together the moments that we felt that connection. Maybe it was a transcendent moment of prayerfulness or meditation, a transcendent moment out in nature. Maybe it was a moment of absolute connection to another human being. I remember holding my beautiful infant son for the very first time feeling so connected. We remember and we collect together in consciousness now these moments of absolute connectedness, oneness, to remind ourselves of our true nature, to attune ourselves to our true nature, 
This is why we pray. This is why we meditate. This is why we spend time in nature. This is why we come together in spiritual experience. This is why we love arts. This is why we love communing with each other. We get to be reminded of our connection. And we cherish those times, those moments when we have let ourselves express ourselves fully and completely, where we've shared our heart and felt love and acceptance, where we've danced our dance, let our freak flag fly and just been our unique self with joy and abandon. And we recognize that in those moments, we most honor God, we most honor the universe when we allow our unique beingness to be fully expressed. So it is in this prayerful moment that I accept and affirm more and more of this light shining forth through us, from us, knowing that as we shine our light, we invite all others to shine their light. We are one. We make a difference. Our light makes a difference and we let it we let it in love and gratitude for this truth I simply release these words into the law I know that as it has been spoken it is done we let go we let be and so it is amen Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.